Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we welcome CEO of Chainlink, Sergey Nazarov, to talk about flash loan attacks. Very important conversation for the DeFi space coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Welcome back, everyone. Today is Monday, November 23rd, 2020. Before we get started today, I want to say thank you to everyone who writes comments and leaves us ratings on Apple Podcasts. I make a request at the end of most shows to say, please subscribe, like, share, and leave a comment. It helps us stay visible. And sometimes I see those come up. It takes a while for them to process through the Apple sphere, the ecosystem. Uh, But I do notice and I do read every comment. And I want to say thank you very much for taking time out of your day to do that. For all the people who left comments, it is so appreciated. And if you haven't done it and you do like the show, please take a couple minutes, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us some five stars, and leave us a comment. It helps people find the news. Coming into the bull, you want people to get the news about what's happening in the space. And what is happening is prices. And those prices are booming. Let's take a look. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. I'm recording this at 3.10 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at 8,000. No, it's not. Bitcoin is in at $18,401. That's up 1.7% from my report yesterday morning. Ethereum is booming up 13.1% from yesterday, sitting at $598. It crossed the 600 mark today. It popped back down. It popped back up. It popped back down again. But we are hovering right around that 600 mark. Litecoin with a $6 gain from yesterday, sitting at 8718 up 6.5%. Yet it dropped a couple rankings on total market cap. It's now sitting at number seven for total market cap behind Chainlink and Bitcoin Cash because Bitcoin Cash is actually on a boom today, up 8.6% at 314. Chainlink is at 1497, up 4.2%. And XRP, the big leader again. I mean, at this point, we might see $587 XRP. We have no clue. This is insane. Up 24% from yesterday morning, sitting at 53.9 cents. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency. We are at $548.1 billion with a BTC dominance of 62.2%. And in our first and only conversation today, we have CEO of Chainlink, Sergey Nazarov, talking about flash loan attacks and why it's so important not to have a DeFi swap project or DeFi or decentralized exchange use just one price point or an oracle that uses only one or two price points to make the prices. This gets deep. I just started understanding this today. So bear with it. Sergey, the brain, Nazarov. Sergey, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. 
there has been a conversation that's been going around on the internet, on Twitter, crypto Twitter, about the faulty oracles that might be behind the next crypto hacks. Look, DeFi has been suffering lots of hacks and oracles could be part of that. Can you please tell me about how the industry has been recently hit with several attacks using flash loans? And can you please tell me about what a flash loan is first and how that chainly can prevent those attacks? Sure. So the the nature of the issue here is really um, people's exposure to data sources and price oracle mechanisms that can be manipulated. So the the flash loan is really the tool that makes a certain attack vector possible. It allows anybody with relatively little funds to become well capitalized. And these types of attacks, these types of oracle manipulation attacks require capital. So what, what a flash loan really does is it makes any one participant or any one adversary a really well-capitalized adversary for, um, for a small amount of transactions, for a small amount of blocks. And that's, um, that's really not the problem because the, the attack could be carried out by, by any well-capitalized adversary or, or anybody who could become well-capitalized through whatever other means, whether it's a flash loan or something else. The, the true nature of the attack is that there's a single price data provider. There's a single exchange. In, this case, in, in the cases we're seeing right now in DeFi, Basically, for the sake of um, ease and speed of development, there has been some cases where people have used on-chain DEXs, so on-chain decentralized exchanges and, and on-chain basically exchange, exchange infrastructure to retrieve the price that triggers their DeFi application. Mm. Now, there's two very large problems here. The, the first very large problem is that you're using a single exchange to derive your prices. That in and of itself is a very large problem. It, it actually doesn't matter that much if it's a single exchange um, on, as an on-chain DEX or a single exchange as a, a very well-known off-chain centralized exchange because those consistently have all kinds of price issues, flash crashes, market manipulations for their thinly traded market. The, the problem here is one that we've been talking about since 2008. We put out a lot of information about it in 2000, uh, sorry, in 2000. Uh, 18. We put out a lot of information about it uh, in 2019. It's, it's now coming to pass pretty much exactly step-by-step step the way we predicted. So the real nature of the problem is not even on-chain DEXs. It's using a single exchange. You, you don't want to use a single exchange for a price oracle, period. And the reason is that that single exchange, while it might have high amounts of volume, trading volume on one day, the next day or the week after, that volume could shift to a different exchange. And now all someone has to do is manipulate that one exchange's order book, which means they don't even need to know how to code. These attacks right now don't even requ really require people to be very good at software development or hacks or, or anything. They just require people to have enough money to manipulate a price on a single exchange that people thought would be secure, which is, which is the whole point of highly reliable Oracle mechanisms. It's that a single exchange won't be secure, whether it's decentralized as a DEX or whether it's centralized as a single exchange. So that's the first fundamental problem mm -hmm. that is, it goes beyond DEXs and beyond flash loans. The version that we're seeing is the simplest version of this, of this attack, where some people have chosen to use on-chain DEXs and on-chain DEXs are exposed and on-chain kind of price discovery mechanisms of all kind are exposed to flash loans because flash loans are on-chain and the price discovery mechanism is on chain. Not only is there a mistake, a fundamental mistake in, hey, I'll just use one exchange and it'll be fine. 
But then there's a second mistake in, hey, um, I'll use an on-chain price discovery mechanism. How could that go wrong? Well, it turns out that the permissionless nature of those mechanisms means that, that, that people can go get flash loans and manipulate the price. But at right. the end of the day, with what four of the five kind of flash loan related attacks that recently happened were about, they were about using the flash loan as a mechanism to manipulate a thinly traded and easy to manipulate on-chain price discovery source. Conversely, at, in Chainlink's case, we source data from hundreds of exchanges. So we provide something called market coverage. And I, and I spoke about this in depth at the Ethereal presentation, uh, at, at the Ethereal conference earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And we released um, also earlier this year, um, a very long blog post called The Importance of Data Quality in DeFi. I suggest that people interested in these, in these topics and problems watch that presentation. Um, I begin digging more into these problems somewhere in the middle of it, if you want to skip, skip the first part. And then also the importance of data quality in DeFi towards the middle or the end of the presentation, we actually have caution messages that expressly tell people not to use a single exchange as their price source. Right now, if there's a DeFi uh, protocol that's using one or two or three exchanges, they are taking serious risk with, with user funds because the more sophisticated version of this attack is to look at the protocols that use one or two or three exchanges. And instead of manipulating one exchange, which is obviously easier, right? The more advanced version of this attack is, is the manipulation of the two, three, or four exchanges that a DeFi protocol relies on to source their price data. And we, we absolutely know that's possible because we look at price data on a daily basis from the crypto markets to provide insight and assurances that, that the data that we're sourcing from over 10 different data providers that cover hundreds of different cryptocurrency exchanges is representing the world in accurate market coverage-based way. The people right now that have a single Oracle, whether it's a centralized exchange or a on-chain DEX, if it's an on-chain DEX, they, they should immediately call an internal meeting and discuss uh, you know, the risks and their level of comfort with those risks. If it's a centralized exchange and it has large volume, they should seriously consider what the manipulable nature of that volume is. Has that ever volume ever dropped and become um, able to get manipulated? And you know, if it hasn't, how, how, how do the other attack factors fit in there? Because they definitely fit in there, such as flash crashes and various other things that happen on the best exchanges. And then the third category of people that I think should think very deeply are the people that say, I have, I have two to five exchanges that I'm connected to directly. And that means I've successfully created market coverage over all of the crypto um, landscape where price discovery could happen. That is a serious miscalculation that I think that people relying on anywhere from their two to five single oracles going to their two to five exchanges that they happen to like the day when they made the oracle and that they're not monitoring for manipulation or volume shifts to exchanges that aren't covered is something that people should very seriously review uh, because the next more sophisticated version of this attack is not I manipulate a single price oracle, it's I manipulate a single exchange and therefore the price. I, I now all I need to do is manipulate two or three exchanges and I manipulate the price. Right. And, and once again, this is something that uh, unfortunately is coming and that our system was architected to be completely resistant to from the beginning by sourcing data from hundreds of exchanges, effectively creating market coverage, effectively making sure that the only way that someone can, can manipulate the price is by actually changing the global price 
which is the actual price. And therefore, the DeFi protocol is still reflective of reality. Real quick question before we get off today. I want to know how much of DeFi is exposed to these attacks? Unfortunately, it's, it's, a substantial, um, it's a substantial portion of DeFi. Unfortunately, I see two dynamics. One dynamic is that there are people that for the sake of speed, you know, they spend time on security audits, smart contract audits, which is very good. But then on the Oracle side of it, they kind of say, oh, you know, I can get a price here and it's fine. And it's an on-chain price discovery mechanism, like a pool or a DEX or, or whatever it is. And they kind of say, it'll be fine. You know, they have, they're well known. They, they function well, just because a DEX or an on-chain price discovery mechanism functions for its purposes, mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's a manipulation resistance price discovery mechanism for you to put the value of your DeFi protocol against. Right. And this is the thing that people need to really, really understand because for the sake of speed, you know, if you have anywhere over a million dollars or even over $500,000 in your DeFi protocol and you're using an on-chain price discovery mechanism, I think that people should, should, should seriously look at, look at, look at the risks and, and seriously look at how they tweak that. The second category that's actually more concerning for me are the people who have, try, have, have consistently tried to bake their own oracles. And they have one or two developers working on it. Those developers don't have a background in secure system design or distributed systems or cryptography. You know, they've never built a data product. And what they basically have is, is was one developer trying to build a data provider that creates market coverage, which they usually do to, through saying, oh, I'm just going to have one to three exchanges as my data source. And then also build an Oracle mechanism at the same time, both of which are immensely difficult problems that, that we have, you know, well over 70, 80 people working on with oversight from people like Ari Jules, who used to be the chief scientist of RSA. So these are, these are not trivial problems. These are, these are very serious problems, both of them. How do I properly source data to accurately represent market prices in the crypto landscape? And then how do I securely deliver that data? Both really big problems. And the people that continue to bake their own oracles um, with an understaffed, under-resourced kind of system that continues to rely on one or two or three single exchanges that they happen to like because they think those exchanges are are great exchanges. They they might be great exchanges. They, They might be great places for people to exchange cryptocurrency, it doesn't mean that they're immune to manipulation. It, it, it doesn't mean that somebody with enough resources can't go there and manipulate the price on those one or two exchanges and therefore manipulate the price controlling the DeFi protocol in which user funds are, are held. And so I, I think that what we all want to avoid as an industry is any kind of larger failure. And, and what we want to do is make sure that people designing these in the early stages, in the middle stages, and in the late stages all consider the data quality, the collection of data sources feeding their price, and the Oracle mechanism generating that kind of input into, the, into a chain. And both of those are very big problems that need to be seriously thought through. If they want to discuss it with us at Chainlink, we're glad to simply give them an overview of what the risks are and what are the key considerations they should be making from a security perspective. And then they can make their own informed decision about you know, how they want to approach those risks. But at, at this point, using a single on-chain price discovery me- mechanism, especially an on-chain DEX that can get manipulated by flash loans, or even an off-chain centralized exchange, or even two or three of them, I think is, is a serious risk that people should seriously reconsider and that we're, we're, we're glad to discuss with them and glad to think through in more detail 
when, whenever they'd like. Right on, Sergey. I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to explain uh, flash loan attacks. And if anybody who is listening right now wants to know more about it, I will link the Ethereal conference talk that you gave in our show notes. So whoever is listening can go right to our show notes and watch Sergey talk more about this issue. Sergey Nazarov, CEO of Chainlink, thank you very much for coming on to the Crypt Daily. And I hope to talk to you again soon. And don't work too hard, sir. Great speaking to you. Thank you. And in other news, fake Ethereum tokens net $53,000 in just 30 minutes. When you're in finance creator Andre Corone tweeted about his new credit lending and loan product, DuraSwap, today, a bunch of scammers jumped into the ride out this immediate popularity. Today, after DuraSwap was released, the first such scam pool saw an attacker issue fake DWAP tokens supply the Uniswap pool with 72.4F, conduct a few trades, attract gullible traders, and exit the entire pool with 162.3F in just about 20 minutes or so. This process netted the scammer 90F worth over $53,000 at current prices. Ethereum 2.0 is tentatively slated to launch December 1st, according to Ethereum Foundation's previous approximation. For this to happen, there needs to be 16,384 validators on the network by November 24th. Each of them must stake 32F for a total of 524,288F, or around $310 million. Well, they're about 50% there. And if this doesn't happen, that means the launch of F2.0 might be pushed back. And you know what? We're counting on it. Bitcoin's price is going through the roof as companies continue to buy the asset in large amounts. PayPal and Cash App are already buying more than 100% of the newly issued Bitcoins. When other large financial institutions follow their lead, the supply scarcity will become even more imbalanced. Pantera Capital said there could be a Bitcoin shortage, but experts say don't worry because the average person will still be able to buy and store $100,000 of Bitcoin value at whatever the price is. Look, even if people are buying up all the Bitcoin right now at $18,000 or $19,000, if it goes up to $100,000, then if you only have $18,000, then you're going to buy 0.2 Bitcoin. And if it goes up to a million dollars and you only have $18,000, you're going to buy whatever that is, 0.002 Bitcoin. Regardless, there's zeros for days. I'm not worried about it. And finally, CypherTrace, a blockchain forensic firm, has filed patent applications in its bid to decipher Monero. CypherTrace sells these anti-Monero technologies to the U.S. government, which is kind of pissed off by the volume of illicit trades on Monero and wants to track them down. Monero is the 15th largest cryptocurrency according to market cap, with a total capitalization of about $2.2 billion. Several major crypto exchanges have not listed it. CypherTrace, by the way, during our weekend updates, has a valuation now of $1 billion, which means governments and large companies, organizations, or government agencies are finding that it's very, very valuable to track cryptocurrencies. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron Deemer. You guys didn't know my last name, did you? Well, there it is. Matthew Aaron Deemer. I just said it. By the way, we have a Facebook group where I put videos of the conversations that we have. And I also share them on Twitter. So if you want, you can go to my Twitter and add me at Matthew A. Deemer, D-I-E-M-E-R. Or you can join our Facebook page at The Decrypt Daily. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling.